that sounds a bit funny. That's probably because it's me and I sound funny. So, uh, hey, it's great to have you all here tonight. And um, it really is a, a treat for me to introduce uh, our guest speaker tonight. And uh, Peter and Mar- Mary Ellen, as Jacinda said, have, uh, we've, have been friends with these now for coming on 10 years. And uh, just delightful friends. And they've just sown so much into us. And, um, and they're really smart, too. And it's always good to have smart friends, isn't it? That's what I always say. So, um so I'm going to, why don't you come on up, just Dr. Peter Fitch. Come on up. Dr. Peter Fitch. Anyway, I'd, um, I'd love to just um, pray for Peter and, um, and hand over to him to, you know, to share. And, uh, but, and he'll be around a little bit afterwards as well, so um, feel free to come and say, say hi. But God, I just pray, thank you for, for these guys. I thank you for great friends, and I just thank you for uh, what you've put on his heart for us. And I pray that you'd open our hearts, that, uh, that we would be open to having you speak to us and to challenge us and to inform us, to comfort us, to bless us through the words of Peter tonight. You're a good God, and we thank you again for these guys and for all that they do, and they sow into your, uh, to your kingdom, and we ask you to bless them now. Amen. All yours, Dr. Peter Fitch. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It's, uh, it's a bit amazing for, for us to be here, and I said this morning I appreciate it very much. Um, you know, the Vineyard Movement is kind of a, a newer denomination, and um, most of the denominations have their own seminaries. And, uh, you know, the Baptists and the Methodists and the Presbyterians and the Roman Catholics, most of them have their own seminaries. But the Vineyard Movement um, is new, and it doesn't really. And uh, our university community, I, I, I teach at a small Christian university in eastern Canada. We love with the Vineyard Movement years ago because a lot of us experienced personal renewal conferences that we went to we felt that we were getting closer to and uh, and uh, suddenly hearing God's voice more accurately than we used to and and so we, we fell in love and and um, so our graduate program in theology I, I, I'm the dean of that program um, we've had a lot of a lot of vineyard pastors from around the world have come and taken our our master's degree and uh, uh, it was Mark Frickle actually is a, is a man from Auckland came and visited in New Brunswick because he'd heard about our school and um, he said, you know, I know a lot of pastors in, New Br- in uh, Auckland or in New Zealand would like to do this kind of training, but it's just impossible. How are people going to come over and over again to Canada? Our program is modular, so people come for two weeks at a time. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, it just, it just seemed too good to pass up. And we, cre- we did a creative thing. You know, sometimes when you have a problem, there's a way to figure it out. And so um, we said, well, what if... The program involves a little bit of travel. It has a Bible lands tour where we go to Egypt, uh, to Jordan, and to Israel. And it also, uh, we go to Greece and Turkey, different, a different trip, two different trips, and, and, but one of them is usually selected by students. And we said, um, you know, why don't we do the first module in Europe, and then why don't we do the next module in New Zealand, and we'll send our teachers to you. And then you guys will only have to come to Canada once. And Matt and Jacinda were in this program, and uh, that's how we got to know them so uh, a decade ago. And, uh, and, and so many of the pastors from this city, quite a few have come. And so we've done quite a lot of work together, 
And in Matt and Jacinda's case, they finished the program by doing, it just so worked out beautifully. They were able to do the second trip too. So we traveled through Egypt and Jordan and Israel together. So it's, uh, you know, we've, we've done a lot of travel together. We've met in a lot of places. We've worked hard in theology. We've had a lot of fun and we've talked about each other's churches. And uh, I, I fell so in love with the Vineyard Movement, Mary Ellen and I, that we, we, we planted a church with a team of friends in 1992. So this will be our 25th anniversary as a church coming up. Yeah, yeah we're a little excited about that. <laughs> um, okay, tonight I want to give a, a, a message that I, I have, um, have a very special place in my heart for this message. I think it's, it's one of the most important things that I've learned. I learned it by an accident studying the Bible. Um, I, I just noticed something, and then I went, oh, that is amazing. And so I began to do a little bit of research on it. And so I'm just going to share this sort of detailed New Testament idea, but it has a, a very practical relevance to living. Okay? So um, the, the talk is actually on maturity. I call it uh, something beautiful for God. That title was also used. Uh, that was a, a biography of Mother Teresa was called that. I, I, I love this idea, something beautiful for God a study in maturity. So here's the passage I'm going to work on. It's Hebrews chapter 5, 12 to 14. I'm really interested in the last verse, but I'll read, I'll read these uh, three. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles or sayings of God. You've come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk isn't accustomed to the word of righteousness. He or she is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So that's, that's what I want to work on, that last idea. Solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Zach, you just, could you just go to the next slide and we'll just push that up? Okay. I want to work on just about every word. <laughs> The word mature is uh, teleos in Greek, so we can go to the next slide. And teleos, is, it means goal or end. And uh, sometimes it's translated mature, as in this passage. Sometimes it's translated perfect, as in the Sermon on the Mount. Have you ever read that passage where it says, therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Have you found it a bit discouraging? <laughs> I think it's a high standard. And... Uh, <laughs> It's not the only way the word could be translated. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Since it's, it's translated here, mature, and what it means in Greek is end or goal. So uh, I, I wonder if a better way might be to say something. Therefore, you are to reflect the complete, reflect complete maturity and growth in the same way that God the Father reflects completely who he is. Something like that. I think translators were afraid of the idea of uh, translating it that way because they thought maybe it would show some change or development in God or something like that. Maybe that's why they didn't go there. But I think because they didn't go there, they've left people with kind of a, kind of a, 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 a difficult standard to try to live up to. A lot of people walk around going, I'm such a worm, such a worm. Have, have you ever had that feeling? Like I fail at this all the time. Actually, it's kind of funny because uh, I, you know, I work in church history. Um, there were... There were weird early Christians. Some of them were, um, some of them went out into the desert to try to become desert fathers, to to be hermits, to just spend their whole life seeking God. And the most famous of those guys was Saint Anthony. And he said, 
you know, the devil will try to dissuade you from following God. The first thing he'll do is try to bully you. He'll try to push you away from the path. The second thing he'll do, if that doesn't work, is tempt you. He'll try to tempt you away from the path. And if that doesn't work, he'll try to make you religious. <laughs> I, actually, I actually think there's a lot of wisdom in that. You know, have you ever had that kind of experience where you sort of wake up in the middle of the night and you think, oh, I should pray for so-and-so, I should, I should pray, and then you just think, oh, I'm so weak, I'm so... That sort of thing, has anybody ever? Or are you guys just healthier than me? <laughs> I, you know, I've come to the conclusion that that's not a healthy voice. That, that those should voices, a lot of those should voices are not healthy voices, and they just, they contribute to a sense of uh, displeasure with ourselves that I don't think is really very good. And um, I, I did actually have one amazing experience in my pastoral life, well, in, in my life. Once in the middle of the night, about three in the morning, I just, I woke up, and I, I can't explain how I knew, but I just felt that God's presence was in the room in a way that I had just never sensed before, and I just... I, and I thought he wanted to talk to me, so I just jumped out of bed. I threw my clothes on. I was full of energy. Three in the morning, I ran downstairs, slammed open my Bible, and I said, here I am, sir. <laughs> I'm ready. And I spent the next hour or so just in amazing Bible study. It felt like I was being led. And the next morning, uh, all of the same passages that I was studying that night emerged in the most interesting ways. So I thought it was a real spiritual experience. But I think this is true that when God wants you to do something, he doesn't actually do it with a voice of duty and should. I think he gives you a fire and a passion inside. Yeah, He just makes you long to do it. When we, when we planted our church, you couldn't have held me back with a team, of, you know, a team of wild horses. I just wanted to do it so badly. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's, a, that's been a goal. Uh, a goal of mine is to try to figure out where, where is the fire, where is the passion inside. And I, I, if you're lucky, as you're serving God, you do get to do your passion. If you're going to build a community, which has actually been one of my great passions, how do we build healthy communities? Sometimes you also do your sacrifice. Sometimes you do your passion. Sometimes you do your sacrifice so that you can build something that's really good. Okay, the word mature is from teleos. We use it in English. I don't know if you use it very often in English, but there's a word called teleological. Have you ever heard that? It means purposeful. For a good purpose, teleological. And you can see how that comes right out of that same word, uh, right? Teleological, for a, for a good goal, you know. Yeah. I, uh, Soren Kierkegaard was a philosopher who used it like this. Uh, sometimes there needs to be a teleological suspension of the ethical. Sometimes you need, for a good purpose, to suspend what you think is normally the right thing to do. But I, I've used it in a different way. Sometimes you need a teleological suspension of disbelief. That means... <laughs> When you're talking to somebody who's coming at you and they have a different idea than you do, most of the time, usually, we're just spinning our head getting ready for an argument. You know, We're not really listening to the person, and we can't really learn from them. We're just, they, the human being, lovely human being, though he or she may be, is just saying something that we think is wrong. So we're mounting, getting our ammunition ready to just you know, destroy their argument. But a teleological suspension of disbelief would be, why don't you just sort of take your own beliefs and just put them for a moment on the back burner? just so you can really hear what this person is saying, because maybe they know something that could help. You know, Maybe together you could make something better. So that's that word is mature. Now, the word practice means um, practice. I got nothing. The word, <laughs> the word trained is gumnazo, and we get uh, the word gymnasium comes from that. Yeah. And in the Greek cities... In the Greek city-states, uh, there was a lot of physical activity. People tried to be fit because they thought that 
most of the hard work was to be done by slaves, and so they devoted themselves to, to um, exercise and to philosophy sometimes. Now, but the, for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Senses, this isn't your physical senses. It's not like uh, smell and sight and sound. It's more your faculty of perception, judging, evaluation. Okay, so. And then discern is kind of a funny word. This one uh, next, yeah. This is the word diakresis in Greek. And uh, it's diakresis, dia means through, and crisis actually means critical. So uh, could be dia, critical thinking, through critical thinking. But I like to make kind of a language pun here, and it's not fair. Like it, this is, n no one would say this is a fair thing to do with this language. I won't either. But look, dia crisis. You want to know how to get wise. Actually, partly it comes through thinking and partly it comes through experience. Partly it comes through going through wars, you know, living through life making mistakes. You know, wisdom comes partly through thinking, partly through life, by going through enough crises that you finally say, oh, shoot, I know I tried that six times and it didn't work. Maybe I'll try a different way. Okay, but here's the most important thing about this. If we go to the next slide, um, this is the thing that I discovered that uh, just rocked my world. Um, I don't know if it, it's as, as exciting for anybody else, but for me it was exciting. In the end, maturity is all about discerning between kalos and kakos, between good and evil. That's what we're told to do. Maturity is because of lots of practice, we have our senses trained so we can discern between good and evil. But there's a normal word in the New Testament for good. It's the word agathasune. You get the word, have you ever heard of Agatha Christie novels? Yeah, agatha is just, that just means good in Greek. And it's the kind of goodness that's moral goodness. But kalos doesn't mean that. Kalos is good, too, but it's a different kind of good. It's the good of a beautiful piece of art. When I, when I saw that the writer put kalos and kakos, it began to just put this idea in my head, is there a difference between the good and the beautiful? Like maybe sometimes we're doing the good, but there's a beautiful as possible. So I just started getting caught by that. Yeah, instead of the word agathos, or in the fruit of the spirit, you know, where it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. You know, it uses agathosune. It doesn't use kalos. This is the only place I can see where it says maturity is all about figuring out what's the difference between kalos and kakos. Now, maybe the writer chose kalos and kakos because there's such a nice symmetry. You know, like, like maybe he's an early rapper or something. <laughs> kalos, kakos. You know, it just works so well together. And, and in language, words are a little bit flexible, you know, and they're interchangeable. So it, I may be making too much of this, but I love this idea that there's something that might be good, but maybe there's something that's beautiful, and that's what maturity is, figuring out the difference. So let me try and unpack what this might be. Maturity may mean that we've gone through enough of life's real situations trying to figure out what God would have us do in each one that we finally know how to bring about a beautiful result not just a good one. Okay. Like, for instance, look at this passage with Joseph and Mary. And this is in Matthew chapter 1. The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, and I put this part in bold, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. 
okay, what, what's, what's, why, why stop here? This just flipped me out because there must be more than one kind of righteousness. What's the righteousness that you would have expected Joseph to do in this kind of a culture? 2,000 years ago in, uh, in, in Israel, what would the culture, what would the, his law and his custom and his habit have told him to do? To what? Uh, to walk away, or even worse, stoner. To expose her to the wrath of the community. She's, she's pregnant before she's supposed to be. So in that day and age, um, according to the law, she should have been exposed to public shame and perhaps even put to death. That's, they were a very tough society. But look at this. Joseph, he doesn't follow the righteousness that he's been trained in his whole life. Instead, he does a different kind of righteousness by protecting somebody that he cares for. And he goes, and Joseph, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away. He doesn't, he thinks, okay, I guess we're not going to get married. And I, 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 you know, but I want to protect her and care for her. And, and, and the scripture calls him a righteous man. But he's actually breaking the righteousness that's good to do something that's better, to care for someone. Isn't that beautiful? The same thing happens with Jesus. You know, later an angel is going to speak to Joseph and say, it's okay, this, this is a very special birth. You know, this one's different than others. And he does end up marrying her. And, and, uh, and then he becomes the father of the Son of God. But, but in, in, um, in oh, I had something that was on my head and I just lost it. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be able to continue with the talk. <laughs> Where's that thought? <laughs> I better go on. Okay, so there's two kinds of righteousness. According to law or custom, according to love or grace. Which, which one do you think seems beautiful? Which one does Jesus seem to like? I just found my thought. Jesus was a master at this himself. According to his law, he wasn't supposed to touch people that had terrible diseases. He wasn't supposed to touch lepers. You see him breaking those laws all over the place in the Gospels. Yeah. So Jesus is the kind of person who would break a good law, which was probably necessary in a desert community, and then to do something beautiful, to show love and compassion. Yeah. Okay. So let's think about examples from life. Have you ever had an argument with somebody? <laughs> Never. <laughs> have, you ever, um, have you ever had an argument that lost you a friendship? So, uh, yes? No. And uh, some, sometimes it's, it's like this. Um, if you hold a position that you're sure is right, you just can't go forward in your friendship. But if you find a way to bring your position together with an opposing point of view so that you can reconcile, then you can both go forward and be friends still. So um, one of my friends, is I, I work with uh, Dr. Thiessen. He's a psychotherapist, a psychologist, and uh, he's also associate pastor at our church. And he says, people come to me in marriage counseling all the time, and they always say, I would forgive, but I'm right. And he goes, don't you know that every good, every decent argument has more than one right? So you can be right, and you can be lonely. W do you want to stay that way? So every argument worth its salt will have more than one right. You can continue to be right and also be lonely. Or maybe you could learn to forgive. Which one of these is good? <laughs> maybe it's good to hold on to your point of view if you think you're right. It's way more beautiful to keep your friendship and make it a thriving, beautiful thing. Um, it's good for children to behave. 
right? <laughs> it's, it's good for children to behave. It's, um, it'd be, it's probably better, you know, it's probably a good thing for a parent to tell a child, this is what you should do. But it wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if a child would so internalize the desire to do good that the child would know what to do. It's probably a good thing for a pastor to tell his people, this is what the Bible says. Wouldn't it be better to create the atmosphere where um, people start to read the scriptures for themselves and go, oh my goodness, you don't get excited about what it is that God's saying to them. Okay, I'll just tell you one little story from my family. And it, it goes like this. I, we have a son who's all grown up now, but he lives, in, he lives in Sydney, Australia. But when he was five years old, cute as a button, we took him to this big dinner we were having with all the pastors in our town. And he, was, he had a little bow tie. He was all, he just was curly ringlets, just looked so cute. And um, all night, I noticed there was something different about his behavior. Every time somebody spoke to him, um, he answered. And he answered like almost as though he was an adult. And, uh, you know, just very reasonable, thoughtful answers. And, and, and then he sat at dinner and he ate everything on his plate. And I'm beginning to think I've entered a time warp or I've gone into a, <laughs> it's a twilight zone. So, so it's some, something is not normal here. And so I'm watching. And later on, all the kids go into a crazy energy-filled thing because it was near Christmas. And there was a Christmas tree and there was ornaments, glass ornaments. And pretty soon they were breaking on the floor <laughs> as kids were being a little bit too wild. And he just stood back and watched. So on the way home, I said, um, buddy, that was amazing. And he said, Dup, that's how he used to say yes. Just wanted to see if I could do it. <laughs> One perfect night. Never before, never after. <laughs> Not even close, but one perfect night. He'd internalized the value at least enough to know what it was. <laughs> yeah, it's good for a pastor to say, tell people what the scripture says, but it's better for an environment to be created where everyone learns for him or herself. Um, I'd like to kind of tell you a cool story in which I think God did the beautiful thing in our church rather than, um, rather than just a good thing. We had uh, one summer where I was just teaching over and over again about how to hear God speak. <coughs> I, I don't know if you remember the passage, but in the Bible it says, if there's a prophet among you, I'll speak to him in dreams, I'll speak to him in visions. And I thought, these are imaginative processes. So what I, if I really want to learn how to hear God speak, maybe the thing to do is to develop the right side of my brain. So I did exercises like contemplative exercises. I did lots of journaling. And I, it wasn't that I thought that I was hearing God through the exercises, but I thought if I get a little bit better at hearing the right side of my brain, then maybe it'll be easier for God to speak to me when he needs to. So that, I, I think it was a good, good series teaching. Taught all summer on it. One day I'm particularly going for it, and I'm explaining, you know, it's, it's like um, we can access our memory, we can access our imagination, we can access uh, maybe our unconscious or our subconscious, and every once in a while, maybe God can insert an idea that uh, we didn't have before. And, and I was explaining this, and I said at the end, um, maybe we should spend a little bit of time just asking, if going to silence, and then say, do you think God has, has spoken to you? But something special had happened that day. There was a woman who had come to one of our Alpha courses, but she'd never been to our church before. She lived in a city more than an hour away. And she came and she said, 
I, I, I gave her a hug. I said, it's great to see you. I, I don't think you've come before. She said, no, I've never come to a Sunday morning before. And uh, she said, but actually, I'm in quite a bit of trouble in my life, and I like the way I feel when I'm near you guys. So uh, I said, oh, okay, why don't I come at break and find out at our, at our coffee break. I'll come and find you, find out what's going on. So when I got to her, she said, um, no one knows this, but uh, I have a terrible gambling addiction. And I have a good job, but I have a terrible gambling addiction. I've lost so much money, and I've borrowed money from my family, and I've lost that. So she said, I, I'm, I'm finally at a place of desperation, and I, I have to go and confess to my family. But I, but I wanted to come here first and just, just to feel a little bit of encouragement and strength from you guys. I said, okay, how about at the end of the service, after the teaching, I'll come and pray with you, you know, and maybe that will help. So anyway, um, I asked people at the end of the service, let's do some silence. Do you think God's speaking? About 10 people put up their hand. I said, why don't we listen to five ideas? So five people said, this is what I thought, this is what I thought. I didn't see any meaning in any of it. There could have been meaning, I just didn't know. But I said, okay, let's try again next week. <laughs> it might take a while to become geniuses at this, you know. And uh, so anyway, just as I'm trying to close the service, one lady who hadn't put up her hand, but was a, a dearly beloved saint in the group, you know, everyone respected her. She said, um, wait, wait, wait. And I said, what? <laughs> she said, I just think I'm going to die if I don't read this passage of scripture. And I said, okay, what? So she reads John 21, I think it is. And it's about Jesus on the cross and the soldiers gambling for his clothes on, on the cross. And then she says, you see, it's really not about gambling. And it's not a gamble with the Lord. Those are two things that she said. And I'm going... Holy smokes. I've never had anybody say to me on a Sunday morning before that they have a gambling addiction. I've never had anybody close the service by insisting that they read about gambling. So I went, just a minute, you guys. I can't say a word about what's going on except to say this. The sovereign Lord of the universe is trying to get a message through to somebody in our midst. And, and I just, I, 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 that's all I can say. But um, anyway, uh, goodbye. <laughs> so I close the service. So. The next thing was I started to try to walk over to her, but somebody walked up to me and, and interrupted me and said, um, on Wednesday, God spoke to me and told me to come and give you this. And she handed me a piece of paper, and I looked, it was a check. It was a check for $100. And uh, she'd made it out to me, not to the church. And I said, what is this? She said, God said you'd know what to do with it. So I put it in my back pocket, and I went over, and we had, I said, did you hear her? Did you, you know Underneath all of this, there is a mind who loves, knows you and loves you and is expressing his love by showing that to her. And she goes, I know, I know. And she starts to weep and weep. And she confesses all of the sin and everything that had been bothering her. And we pray together and she feels loved. And, uh, and then I said, oh, by the way, this is what love, this is what grace looks like for you today. And I whipped out the $100 and signed my, my name to it and gave it to her. And I said, this is a mess. This is money that Jesus wants to come to you. And so she came back the next week to our church. That was the only time that she came back. <laughs> we have a habit of, no. And <laughs> um, anyway, she came, she came back and she said, I just wanted to tell you what happened. She said, uh, you know, I, I, I imagine she has a church in her own city, but, but she said, I just wanted to tell you what happened. She said, on the way home, I drove by one of the places where I normally gamble, 
And when I, I, uh, I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll only try $25. I'll only gamble $25 because maybe I'll make enough money to get out of this issue. And she said, as soon as I started to turn the car in there, my heart just stopped. And I said, I can't gamble money that Jesus gave me. So she said, instead, I drove to my mom's place and I told her everything. And we've begun to get my life right. So isn't, isn't it, it's not necessarily good to give an addict um, money. And, and yet God seemed to know that that was the beautiful thing to do in this instance. You know, yeah. Um, one of my, I think there's a, there's a guy named Gregory the Great who was Pope, he died in 604, he was Pope for 14 years. I think he was the best Pope that ever lived. He just about emptied the coffers of the Vatican caring for refugees and the poor. And uh, he said this, he said, no one ventures to teach any art unless he has learned it after deep thought. With what rashness then would the pastoral office be undertaken by the unfit, seeing that the government of souls is the art of arts, for who doesn't realize that the wounds of the mind are more hidden than the wounds of the body? You know, he's saying, uh, you know, it's the it's the art of arts to try to help somebody. Um, y y you know, almost it's pretty easy to figure out if somebody has a problem. It's really difficult to figure out how to actually help them take a positive step forward in life. You know, a after 30-some years of pastoring and working at a university with young people, I know it's it's easy to figure out if somebody's got a problem. It's hard to help them get over it. And uh, I love this, that the government of souls is the art of arts. And I'm just going to tell you one example of, yeah, uh, I want to tell this one example. I, it's this, best counseling situation that Mary Ellen and I probably ever had in our life. This lady came to us, and uh, she said, um, I'm, I'm pregnant, and uh and I've gone to Planned Parenthood in, this, in the States. She was an American near our border. And she said, uh, they've told me that my guy's not going to stay with me. And so she said, they said the best thing to do is to end it. And, and I, I think that probably they're right, she said. But, uh, but um, anyway, we just, I just thought I'd come and talk to you guys first. And so we're thinking, oh, we hope you don't do that. But we, we don't know how to conduct this counseling session. You know, I'd like to just sort of tell you, this is what you should do, This, but it just didn't seem right. So I just said, how do you feel about it? And she just began to talk, and she talked for about an hour, and somewhere in there we asked her another question. Then she talked for another hour. And then right around the two-hour mark, suddenly everything changed, and she said, I don't think those people had my best interest at heart. I think they just had an agenda. They just had kind of a pat answer they give to everybody. I'm going to have this baby. I'd like to have this baby. And she just changed everything, and I'm just watching. And we've never said a word of advice in the whole thing, but when she finishes, she goes, now I know what I'm going to do. Thank you. She gets up, and she kisses us both, leaves, goes away, ends up having the baby, and the baby becomes the light of her life. Just so, so delighted. And, the, and the, her guy did stay, and he did marry her. And, um, and later, she became a very serious believer in Christ. I remember, think, I didn't think she was a Christian when she came to us, although she did come to church sometimes. But it didn't seem like she knew the Lord in her heart yet herself. But later, she did, and she just was wise and good, grew as a Christian. And, and her husband, this is true, actually, inherited more than a million dollars. And I was going, win, 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 win. <laughs> Best counseling session I've ever had in my life. And we never gave a word of advice. <laughs> All we did was go, well, what do you think? <laughs> so we 
kind of created the atmosphere where she had the time and the space and the acceptance to be able to process it herself. So maybe it would have been good if I'd told her what to do. I think it was beautiful that she got to figure it out herself. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, I think that's just about it. What, it. what about you guys? Do you have any, could you give me some examples of like, when you listen to me talking like this, what seems good, what seems beautiful? Um, have you ever seen an example of something that was better than normal in the way that I'm talking about tonight? I'd love some, just some stories or some ideas. see if I can clarify the question. <laughs> it's kind of a tough one, but it's so fun to try to get this distinction. Like, um, when, you, when you hear me thinking about it, does anything come to mind? Is there anything that you can relate it to in your own life? Practice? Okay, thank you. But you like the idea of just the gumnazo word, the gym, the daily, day to day. Brilliant. Thank you. Anybody else? What else do you hear in this talk today? I know this feels like being at the dentist. <laughs> But I just, I just love some of your insights. Yeah. Practice makes perfect. I agree with you. And it, there's a guy that writes for the New Yorker magazine. He's a very brilliant guy named Malcolm Gladwell. And he says, if you want to do anything well in your life, you have to do about 10,000 hours to create the circuitry in your brain so that it's easy for you to do it. You know, expertise doesn't come automatically sometimes people are frustrated because they pick up a guitar and can't do it right away you know but actually you have to practice because you have to create the space in your brain to be able to do it yeah it's really good anybody else yeah oh yeah francois why Have, yeah, sometimes we're so determined to just stand up for what we think is right, but it doesn't have a beautiful result. Yeah, what's going to make something beautiful for somebody else? That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, f that's fantastic. Like, a yeah, how good to be able to explain something 
to somebody, but wouldn't it be amazing if they could see it in you? Yeah. Yeah, like in the New Testament, you get these two great leaders, like Paul, St. Paul, and St. Peter. And St. Paul's attitude about ev evangelism is preach the gospel at all times, you know, in season and out of season, whether it's easy or hard. But St. Peter's attitude is, why don't you live the kind of life so that people ask you why you have so much hope? And then always be ready to tell them. Yeah, I love it. Please. Really? <laughs> That's funny. They were just waiting for a pastor. <laughs> I mean, wait, waiting for uh, waiting for somebody to take some leadership in a, in a way that was healthier for them. They were just getting kind of swept into something that wasn't healthy. Wow, that's unbelievable. That's a great example. Here's a, here's one I just thought of. Mary Ellen and I, um, Mary Ellen's mom, who's, who's gone now, uh, and, and some of her friends used to love to have our, us come with our small children to parties that they had at uh, Boxing Day, that they, the day after Christmas. But we often, man, there were some of the friends would just drink so much it was actually uncomfortable. So we were getting kind of angry with our family. We were thinking, we don't want to take our kids, you know. And, and but, but of course you can't not go to a family event. So what, we, what were we gonna do? And finally we thought maybe what we'd do is change our attitude towards them. We, we just said, you know what? They are who they are. Let's just love them. Let's just accept them, you know, as they are. And something about, I don't know wh how it happened. We never had words. But the next party we went to, it was just like you said. It was like there was no, you know, when we were expressing our discontent and sort of being a little indignant, they kept doing everything that made us unhappy. But when we just said, oh, for forget it. We just love them. We're just going to love them the way that they are. Everything changed and became healthier. And from the, I don't think there was ever a bad moment after that. Yeah, that's a, it. Was like as soon as they felt loved. Wow. Has anybody else got an idea?
Yeah. That reminds me of um, Zach. Could you uh, could you just see if you could find the? Is it possible for you to find a YouTube video? Could you do a YouTube video? YouTube. It's not about the nail. I think this is a, this is a, just about a one minute long thing that might illustrate that. Okay. Do you have wireless though, right? What's the, it's called It's Not About the Nail. You could just put YouTube, Not About the Nail. It'll come up. <laughs> Anybody else have an idea in the meantime? Yeah? You said that perfectly. This video is going to say say it badly. <laughs> okay, ready? Nearly. I think you might like this one, I hope. That's it.
what, what you said was better. <laughs> hey, um, I think maybe uh, it's probably enough, but I think it, the idea is communicated, eh? The difference between the good and the beautiful. And I think we have a beautiful God who wants us to live beautiful lives. And, uh, and so it's good to think about these things every once in a while. Let's say a prayer. <coughs> Father, um, thanks for the ways that you've expressed love and acceptance to our souls, even when we didn't feel like we were uh, worthy of that. And I bet a lot of us have felt that. Um, thanks for the times in our lives when you've given us creative strategies to really help somebody. It, it, it is pretty easy to see when somebody's off the rails. It's pretty hard to know how to actually help. Thank you that your desire is to help. Um, thank you for the way that you give wisdom to people as they, as they really struggle against their, their issues sometimes. And thank you for the way that you give the power to change, to make us more like Jesus. Um, in, in life, sometimes people say the journey is from the image of God, the way we were all created, into the image of Christ, into the likeness of Christ, from the image of God to the likeness of Christ. And uh, I just, uh, I pray that you help us every step along the way so that we become like Jesus in the way that we care for other people. Thanks. Amen.